Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. <laughs> what's up chris doing? what up james how you doing man good good <laughs> so uh we got a pretty awesome guest here with us today yes we're just, sir we're just laughing because he just makes everybody smile yeah he is he's a great dougie, man dougie doug dougie fresh yeah professionally known as doug nelson yes just yes you know I'll put that out there dougspeaks.com uh, dougspeaks.com um, so, uh, speaker, um, there's some credentials behind him speaking, by the way, that he doesn't always talk about, but the dude is the real freaking oh, yeah. deal. Yeah. Award-winning speaker. Um, yes. Correct. Um, and, uh, executive coach mm-hmm. does some therapy too. I'm, I'm barely learning how to manage one of those three things. He's doing it all. Yeah. So, um. And he does it well. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, he's written a book. Oh, Yeah. It's like, you know, just keep adding it on. Yep. So if you'd like to grab life by the helm. Ooh. We will have a link on the website. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, to the audiobook, which if you want to join us in the bonus content, we have a very good discussion about the audiobook, which is excellent, by the way, and well worth the listen. So, um, so is this podcast? Yes. <laughs> Definitely worth a listen. Yes. So, um, if you want more people to be able to hear this great message, right, we're sharing of hope and of Doug. Give us five stars on iTunes, even if you're not listening on iTunes. That is the way the world decides whether or not we should show up in people's searches and stuff. So that's the best thing you can do for us. We are a nonprofit 501c3. So if you'd like to donate, become an outsider, get the bonus content, unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. And what do we do with that money, Chris? We provide scholarships for... The Warrior Heart Boot Camp. We provide scholarships for Heart of Woman and uh, the retreat. And then we also provide scholarships for those who are seeking therapy. So therapy sessions and therapy um, programs, systems. All and, sorts and of different, all, right? Yes. All, so where can I go to apply for a scholarship? Unashamedunafraid.com forward slash sponsors. No, no, scholarship. no. Scholarship. I, do, I, do, I do that every freaking time. But you can find a sponsor at any twelve-step meeting, and I, and I think that I do you it every should. Time. And I think that you should. And um, we do have some of our newest outsiders for this month, this quarter. We'll just shout, shout out. them out here. So we have uh, Will, who we recorded on a podcast. Um, we also have Shane and Kristen. Love you guys. Thank, Thank you for you. becoming outsiders. And we have Mark. And Alex. See you, Mark and Alex. I see you. Thank you so much for your for becoming outsiders. Um, your dollars do make a difference in helping those who would not be able to afford therapy otherwise. So thank you. Right. To all those listening, love you. We are not that great. Doug is awesome. So I'm going to shut up, even though it's hard for me to do. And I'm giving Chris and James the stare of stop talking, even though we love Doug so much, because we should just let people hear from Doug. So with that, we will get in the studio with Doug Nelson. (laughs) 
Oh, we're already having fun and we haven't even gotten started. Doug, what's Woo. up, my brother, hey. as you would say? It is great to be in the house. Absolutely. So if you don't know Doug Nilsson, I feel super bad for you because I do and it's awesome. But for those who don't, paint yourself into context for us. Well, I first of all, I'd have to say I am friends with Steve, Chris, and James. That's, uh, you know, kind of the identity. No, I... Uh, that's the most important. Yeah, that's, that's the most, most important part of the whole thing, The most critical relationships. Yeah, that's yeah. my identity. No, I'm a, uh, a therapist. I'm a, a speaker. I work with leadership teams, and I do a lot of coaching, uh, executive life coaching. And I'm a dad, husband, love God. And friends with Steve, Chris, and James. And James. Yes, <laughs> Just to bookend yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm glad you... Pointed that out. Yeah. Thanks, James. <laughs> so um, I've had many moments with you, Doug, where I'm like, oh, like that's how I should be. Like there's this positivity, right? And this energy and this life that you have that I'm like, oh, we could all just live that way. Like that's better. I should just <laughs> do that. And and I think that's really key to right dropping into this episode. I think you were like such the perfect voice for this is like, we talk all the time on here, all the time, every episode. If you say once an addict, always an addict, we're going to take you out back and curb stomp you. If you don't think recovery is real, listen to this. Like we like unashamedly like tote that banner all of the time. Right. And, um, but then we don't talk about like what that transition actually looks like. And, and as someone, I think who is experiencing that currently in some ways, personally, um, you, you move from like denial. Yeah. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. And then you move into this, like, okay, I have a problem. I want to work recovery. And then you kind of get in this rhythm where you're like, I'm in recovery. And when my wife gets mad, I hold space, right? Because I'm like, I get it. I've done some messed up stuff. I'm understanding trauma more. I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then like, there's this healing that happens and this God thing that no one gets. And then they kind of get it. And then their lives change and all this stuff happens. But then it's like, then, so how do you end that phase of being someone working recovery to recovered? And just living a sober life. Yeah. Because like, to be honest, that's wild. Like, that's a big transition. It's a huge transition. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because often, it, and going back to your your point where you're going to, you know, take me out back and stomp me if I mention certain things or Sparta kick me or throat punch me or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, this, this idea that very often we have an identity that is created, quote unquote, I am an addict. I am a victim. I am... Uh, whatever the case might be. And so then when you get out of that realm, uh, you know what, you might be in recovery and, and that's good. But the idea is that's not sufficient. You know, hey, I'm clean. Uh, you know, that's stage one recovery. One, you, you quote unquote, quit the drug. Mm-hmm. But stage two then is getting a life. And, but there is, call it anxiety, identity, anxiety, where we literally shift saying, you've got to create a new identity the way you see yourself. I'm not uh, the addict. You know, this is, this is who I really am. And then creating this new life from there. Uh, Just talking with a guy last week and he said, what's the point of recovery if you're not having fun? And, Mm. and it kind of blew my mind. It went, right? And I'm like, talk to me. What do you mean? 
He said, you know, seriously, what's the point? If, if all you're doing is white knuckling it, you're, you're, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, working recovery and, uh, but you're not having fun. You know, what's the point of going to church if it doesn't renew your heart? And if I go with an attitude of open heart, my heart will be renewed more often than not at church. Now I've got to work at it sometimes. Um, okay. Maybe a lot of times, but the idea is what's the point? And, uh, I think re- the, the French, they put it this way. They call it raison d'etre, which really stands for what's the purpose for your existence, and I think stage two recovery, that's exactly the question you start to answer. You know, hey, you know what? You're recovered. You know what? And this recovery, this addiction has awoken you, you know, awakened you to this purpose. And what is that? And so being aware of, I need to have uh, an identity. And I don't want this anxiety around this identity. I want to create this new identity of who I really am. And I think it's really just getting back to that uh, that notion of who you really are as a, a child of God. Yeah. And so for me, you know, this is really resonates with me, this whole um, aspect of this, because as I started my recovery process, really engaging in um, recovery, sobriety, and all of that, what happened for me is, um, you know, two and a half years sober, you know, um, recovery lifestyle, doing all of the things. And what I noticed throughout all of it is I didn't know who I was. Um, because my whole life had been centered around this kind of obsession of, yeah. you know, the pornography and all that sexuality type stuff. And it, so I had kind of let go of so many other pieces of my identity, um, relationships, connections, hobbies, mm-hmm. um, because I was, that had become that central focus for yeah. me. And as, as I, as that left my life, I, it felt like a vacuum for me. And so for me, it showed up in the form of depression. I didn't know who I was anymore at this two and a half year mark Mm -hmm. of being sober. I'm like, who am I? What, what am I doing? And I just had no idea who I was anymore. And so it was, um, I think this is a, like you're talking about, this is a common theme that can happen if we, you know, don't, grab pieces of identity as we're going through that recovery process along the way too, or take that second stage. Yeah. Second stage recovery. Isn't that interesting though, because you get into that identity anxiety of like, who am I? Yeah. And, and, And you really, you can't over time behave different than the way you see yourself. It's impossible over time. You can white knuckle. Er, say that slower. Okay. It's impossible for you over time to behave different than the way you see yourself. Uh, that's the governing, you know, the governor of my behavior, the way I see myself, because I'm not going to ultimately over time act different than the way I see myself. So it's like to James's point, it's absolutely critical, you know, uh, for me to say, you know, I, and I think in many ways it's to be able to choose it again, who my, who I really am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I remember in recovery, take doing all kinds of stuff to try to discover who I am. And I remember doing, you know, discovering new hobbies. So, like, I took art classes. I I was in a play. Yeah. Um, I started hiking and backpacking and, and camping, stuff that I hadn't done um, in order to try to really uncover who am I now or, yeah. or, or what who do I want to become now? Yeah. Um, now that I'm free of this compulsivity and this, uh, this obsession. That's so true. 
They, you know, it's interesting that remind me of, do you know that the samurais, right? Some of the greatest warriors of all time. Do you know that they spend half their time learning to do like flower decorations and art and that kind of stuff? And that really that just, I'm like, wow, here, here are some of the greatest warriors of all time. And yet they understand the importance of the soul. And I think the stage two, yeah, the creativity. And uh, I mean, part of that is saying, where is my, you know, the soul? Do I honestly, do I feel alive? Mm -hmm. When's the last time you've been moved to tears by a sunrise or a bird soaring or whatever the case is, right? Where, uh, and I think that's the stage two is, is getting a life. I want to come to life again. Addiction takes that life. Oh, it it, totally does. It kills it. And, and and then I'm asking myself, who am I? And the question is, well, who do you want to be? Mm. Well, I, th- I think so many guys relate to the whole identity piece because they, in the, I know for me, in the middle of my addiction, I was like, well, I'm just a piece of crap. Yeah, I'm a horrible guy. Yeah, um, not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, that was just <clears throat> that was absolutely the adversary that was going at me. And then when I finally figured out my true identity of being a son of God, regardless of the things that I was doing, that no matter what I was doing, if I was acting out or whatever, you know what? I'm still a son of God. I'm his son and he still loves me. And then just throughout, I think my identity even has changed over the last 13 years of sobriety. It's just changed in different ways. And... Like even just over those last couple of years, my wife was like, you know, I I hope you get to keep this new job because you finally have been able to um, be yourself and become this new person that I that I love seeing come so alive because I've been able to do so many other things, be, you know, going hiking or being with my family. And so it's like really changed my identity. And excuse me, I don't, and I don't have all these, this addiction, like, pulling me down and dragging me down and saying, you're just this piece of crap. Because just like you said, um, we can't, what did you say? It was like the, yeah, we can't behave different than ultimately the way we see ourselves over time. Right. Yeah. Well, so tell me how, um, like, how do you shed the once an addict, always an addict when like still holding space for, like that addiction's a thing. Cause I think there is an empowerment there. And when people are want to be like, don't ever use the word addiction. Don't ever say, I'm like, no, there's something powerful. I think to sure. be like, no, I've got a real problem. And I, it most stands out to me, James, when you shared mm-hmm. your story yeah. and you were like, I'm reading this book and it's like, huh? Oh, that's what's going on. And it was an empowering cause you're <laughs> oh, like, totally Oh, this was. is a thing I can do something about it. But then I see so often that get turned into this label. Right. And so I think of, uh, like often I see it in the 12 step, right? Where it's like, I just, I go to my meetings and I work my steps and I'm like, till you're dead. Like, and to me, I'm like, if that's your larger story in your mm-hmm. 12 step cycle, some like Stephen Croshaw founding SAL, I'm like, that's a larger story. Yeah, bro. You keep going to those meetings because he's helping so many men and women and a recovery get support and do that. But like, there's this management thing that happens, I think for a lot of people where myself included, where it's like, I'm just kind of managing, I'm this manager of this addiction. I'm a manager in recovery. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance between like, Hey, I want to own, right. Kind of this identity of, 
hey, I'm an addict. I've got this going on. So that ownership pulling me in, but then not holding me down that I'm always just going to be someone who is a week sober or a month sober. And I'm just all the time living that way. Uh, Excellent. And I think very often, so for instance, if you go into say coaching or you go into counseling, very often the whole focus is on just the brokenness, the pathology. And without a doubt, we've got to identify that and and we've got to be aware of what that is. And I call that the the fifth point of the compass, right? No, hang on, Doug, there's only four points of the compass. Well, the fifth point is where you're at right now. So if we dropped you over in Russia, in, uh, in Siberia and said, hey, go to Salt Lake City. You know, go to Chicago. You know, where am I? Just get to Chicago, man. Just get to Salt Lake. It it would be nearly impossible. We've got to know where we're at and we've got to own that and saying, this is part of my story and brutal honesty. And yet also within that heart, I think there's, I think there's an evil one who wants to, you know, kill that heart because in doing so, it kills your purpose. And Chris, you just talked about that. You know, you're saying, hey, I get back to my true identity and I'm, and then therefore I can live my purpose. So one of the questions is very often you go into a, a conversation and what happens there is it's just the brokenness versus do you feel you're living your purpose? What, what, what's your reason for existence? And you start asking questions like that that awaken the heart and, uh, you know, really where it stirs what, what we're yearning for. There's a larger story to live in. And this is part of my story, quote unquote, uh, the brokenness. That's part of my story, but that's not who I am. This is what I did. This is what's happened to me, but that's not who I am. And to be able to spend some time, in fact, just a, a coaching client today said, I have no clue who I am. I have no clue. And I said, well, you know what? Just my little interaction with you over the past few weeks. And let me just say this. Here's a good start. One, I've seen, and you know this is true, and I'm not blowing smoke. One, you are love. You love. You are courageous. You have been through some hell in your life, and you've gotten through that. Uh, you are one who rescues and fights for the underdog. And he is now in tears hearing this. I'm saying, so you say you don't know who you are, but I do know core foundation. That's who you are at your core. And that's how you show up in life when you're in that larger story. It's like, wow. Um, He knew it. It resonated because he just, he told me about it. And I just reflected it back to him and said, you know who you are at your core. Don't get confused here. There's a God who made you. And he said, guess what? I've got a reason for you to be alive today on this earth. And, uh, Let's get you about doing that. What I think is cool too is like understanding where you are and kind of going back to what you were talking about, Steve, you know, some, so many guys are afraid to admit, oh, I'm an addict. But at the same time, if you look at it, yeah, I'm an addict, but I don't have to be an addict for the rest of my life. That can change. My identity can change. So, and, and what's cool is other people can help place those identities on you as well. Um, good yeah. or bad. Uh, so if you accept those as sure. bad, you know, bad ways, like if my wife is like always on me and then, yeah, I'm going to believe, Hey, yeah, I am a piece of crap. Mm. But like where, where Steve, for me, when we were trying to figure out names for what we wanted to be on the podcast, I didn't choose Hulk of Hope. That was something Steve said about me. Yeah. And I love that name. And I, I think it, it, it really means a lot to me. And I'm like, I, I've provided hope to a couple people, I think, and yeah, I there's hope. no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and I, and I, it just, it just hearing it just really makes my heart come alive and it makes me feel good because I'm like, yeah, 
that's that's what I that's what I do. It's part of my my identity. And to have a band of brothers around you that can speak to that and say, "I know who you are," right? You're the Hulk of Hope, man. You're like, yeah. Just like you were talking about your client, I know, I know who you are. Yeah, exactly. And it's easy to get lost, like, and forget that. At least it is for me. Like, sometimes I'll sit and wonder. I'm like, wait, what are you seeing me, Chris? Wait, why? Why do you even want to be my friend? Like, you know, (laughs) like I forget, and it's hard to see sometimes. Yeah. Um. And I've been on this journey a long time now, and I still forget. Well, and so do I. Uh, Hashtag go watch yeah. NF Lost. It's a good music video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Sorry, I squirreled on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, like, question for you, Doug. Like, why is it so much harder to pick up the positive identities? Well, I would say the true identities, as opposed to the shame or the fake identities, because you would think the real it would resonate more. And I, and I think it does to hear people say that because as like, we're talking about this. I'm like, why is that so hard to do? Like, cause you are the hook of hope. That's just real. But the, I'm a piece of crap. Cause you use that one all the time. We you share your story, right? Like that's, but then I feel like in recovery, people get there where they're like, I've been working the steps for a year. I've been going to therapy forever. I've been doing, you know, and it's like, why is it so hard to pick up the positive identities, the true identities? Why is that so much harder than these false shame ones that we eat like freaking candy? Oh, we do. And we believe the negatives, right? You know, we, we accept it as truths and, you know, neurobiology would tell us that the brain is constantly looking for the threats, Right. It wants to. And, and I think one of those, uh, any strength overused protecting us, don't get your hopes up. This is really who you are. You'll just be, you know, dashed again, your hopes. And I think so from that standpoint, I think we're constantly looking for the negative, scanning for it and saying, yeah, that's probably true about you as opposed to the, the positive. And I think sometimes we get in such a world that. It's like a whirlwind. We, we step into a day and we, you just stepped into a tornado and we don't find the quiet. We don't step in um, to be able to step back and observe and, and, and the observer, right? As, as opposed to us being our thoughts, you know, we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a given day. There's no way I can be all of those thoughts at one time and they're zipping through. And then we live in such a world where, you know, we thought that computers and whatnot uh, would slow our lives down. Well, it's increased it by 300%. Plus. I mean, it, it's it's crazy the amount. Uh, we're pegging RPMs. You know, we're, we're meant to go at, say, 3,000 RPMs, but we're living a life at 6,500 and above. We're redlining our lives. And then when we slow down from 9,000 RPMs down to 7,500, we think we're slowing down. And And my point is, our brain is running so fast to be able to step into quiet and listen and be able to allow the divine to communicate with us and to, to help us recalibrate daily the truth and to purposely connect to who do I, you know, let me back up here. It's not what has happened to me or what didn't happen to me. It's not what I did or what I didn't do or what's going on right now. The key question I think we can ask ourselves is, who am I becoming? Who do I want to become? 
And that key question right there, and even going to that future self and saying, how would my future ideal best self deal with this situation? And, and, and how would that ideal future self come back and talk to me about my true identity? To, to accept the positive. Because it's, it's so easy to accept the negative. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm yeah. giving a keynote speech to a thousand people and I see one guy <laughs> who looks bored, right? And everyone else is having a good time. I'm, 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 that guy's taking me out. And I, I have to be conscious about that saying, no, your identity is not based on what he does or doesn't think of you. And to be able to, you know, reset that and get back into that. It, but it happens to the best of us, I think, all of us. Do you think it's because if, if we're acting out, we feel like we don't deserve to have the positive identity. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, it's almost like the, well, no, the poser, the fake, the facade of you is who you really are. But you look at a, you look at a kid when they're born and there's a, a stage in their life when they are free. They got the tiger by the tail. Life is, they could do anything. And Somewhere along that line, like Jesus talks about in Luke 19, you know, he's come to seek and save that which was lost, not those who were lost. That's clear. He's going to save those who were lost, but which was lost. You look at a little kid and along the way, there's uh, some things have been stolen, taken away, lost, beat, um, hidden. And I think that's the true identity. And I think then along the line, we have this wounding that happens. And then we create that pose and lose the larger story until, and, and this can be the thing, you've heard the term, the blessed addict. And you go, what, the, the blessed addict, what are you talking about? Well, it's the addiction that can very well be the thing that awakens a soul to realize that's not where I want to go, but this is the direction. Had it not been for the addiction, that person could have been asleep their whole life and then died, where an addiction will literally wake them up. I'm not saying, hey, let's go get addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever, you know, that idea, but, uh, but it wakes them up. we can use that for, yes. as a, it, God can use that to bless our lives and it change It uses us, right? all things for the yeah. good of those that love him, all things, and yeah. to help restore us, which has been lost. And addiction brings it to the forefront. We're like, oh my word, my life, this is not working. God, I need you. Come into this with me. Yeah. yeah I mean, I remember the first time I heard Kayla give that sentiment, right? Say, you know, I'm I'm glad Steve and I have been what we've been through, right? Which I was whoa. like, whoa, right? That's a mind blower. It's, that's a mind blower. And as you've been talking about this, it, it has reminded me of, so one of our favorite clips from boot camp, right? Les Mis. Yeah. So it's the clip from the Liam Neeson version. Um, so right when he, uh, priest takes him in day dinner, right. He freaks out at night, priest sees him stealing the silver. So he assaults the priest gets out of there, gets caught. And when he comes back, the priest is like, oh yeah, I gave him all that stuff. And in fact, he forgot the candlesticks. Like, why did you forget those? And I just, that moment, if you haven't seen the clip, go watch it. Right. Where he pulls his hood off. So Liam, you know, Neeson's like, why is he? doing this for me, right? So he pulls his hood off, right? And he says, with this silver, I have bought your soul. And he just pours into this guy fathering an identity. And um, I I think, uh, which, you know, Sway was just texting me here, like it's scary to accept that positive. Like it's, a, in a way, it's, it's more scary. Like that's probably the worst thing the priest could have done for him from a fear perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. Because if the priest would have given like, oh, yep, and here's the same story you already believe about yourself, that's not that scary. Like, it may suck, it may be heavy, it may be a grind, but the faith required is very little. 
to none. We're to accept you're clean, you're wanted, you're accepted. Um, you can even see that fear in his face in the clip. Totally. He's like, yeah. he's shocked. What do you mean? Yeah. It's like the first 10 minutes of the movie. It's so good. He yeah. doesn't know how to, his identity is, I am a crook, 19 right. years. And the priest goes, I know who you are, pulls back the hood and and uh, he's like, wow, I don't yeah. know how to process this. Yeah. For those of you guys, it is not a musical <laughs> yeah. on that one. It, I mean, I the love movie. the musical. Yeah. I love yeah, the play. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great. Amazing, but. But this one is not. It's an actual the actual movie that they made, and it's and awesome. it's very well done. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, your time to watch that. So yeah. back to your point, Steve. You know, you're talking about it, and that Sway had brought up. It can be scary to um, accept the identity, right? Or or to even sometimes even go and search for the identity, as you know that it's as you move out of the addiction and going on the search for well, who am I? And sometimes we don't want the answer because we. I mean, you and I have, we've worked through this on, on, I remember talking to you on your stuff on this, Steve, Yeah. about, um, because what if you don't like what you find or what if you don't feel like God will give you the answer, Mm -hmm. right? If God won't accept Mm -hmm. you, like, I think so that, that going on the search for the identity of who am I, we're afraid that the answer is not enough. We're afraid that the answer is actually no, less you, than. Yeah, you, I really oh, am broken. I really am broken. I am unloved. I really am unworthy. I really am unwanted. Yeah, it, we don't want that it answer, reminds, so it keeps us from ever looking for that. It's that Marianne Williamson quote. Yeah, yep. you are powerful beyond measure, and it's our light, not our di- darkness, that just freaks us out to go out and to live. You know, stage two recovery. This idea of I want to live from my heart. Mm-hmm. I want to live wholeheartedly, right? Courageously. And at that, the the definition of uh, courage, right, is to live with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. To be discouraged, right? Discouraged is to lose heart. You numb out. We just go through half asleep. And not even scratching the surface of what is is out there for a person, right? And, and understanding there's so much more, but it scares us because that requires something of us. That requires us to step into the unknown. And that notion that the amount of risk we take really tells us about our view of God and to step out and say, ooh, what if I am not enough? But but what if you are? Well, and you just, I mean, I just thought of that quote, which by the way, I want everyone in this room to know, I legitimately called Ransom Heart. And I don't remember who I talked to, but one of the people there, I'm like, look, we in our circle quote John Eldridge all the time as saying the amount of risk you take reflects as you feel about God. Where did he say that? And they literally called me back like a week later and were like, I don't think he's ever said that like word for word. I'm like, can you have him throw it out on like his Instagram or in his next book? So we can start saying when we're quoting him, we're actually quoting him. Um, But I guess my question is like, why and how with the risk? Cause it just, you know, you've done all this risky behavior with addiction like risk has not always been a friend. Right. Um, the spiritual wor- word in, in my vocabulary for risk is just faith. Yeah. So how do you wholeheartedly, right, with courage, embrace risk? Because I think that is 
the key factor, which you said earlier, the only people who have sobriety like Chris is because they believe they will. Right? Like at some point in time, you just have to cross a line in the sand where you're like, and Chris says, he's like, at, at some point in time, past all the trauma at the bottom of all of it, like you really come to a clarity where then you do have a choice. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, it takes a lot of courage to be like, I am going to not be in the script of being an addict anymore. And so how, I mean, what advice would you give around, like, how do you even embrace the risk? How do you do that? Is that interesting? I, I would say, you know, the, the thought that's come to my mind is the definition of faith is believing that what you can't see will happen, right? Believing that what you, 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 you have a hope of faith for that. Believing that what you can't see will happen. Well, what's the definition of fear? It's believing that what you can't see will happen. And depending on which one we choose, like Chris is saying, hey, I choose this. I I, I, I believe this. I'm going to choose this. And uh, to be able to, to um, risk based on your core of who you are is healthy risk, right? That is faith. But when I'm just taking reckless risks, no, there's not a... So it's kind of like this, right? The steering wheel of a ship, a helm. At some point, I've got to be able to see that I can act or be acted upon. And that as I take the helm of my life and pull other people's hands off, circumstances, environment, and I understand that ultimately, even God's not going to come and take the helm of my life to, to take my agency. He's not going to do that. Even if I ask him. Right. He won't. Nope. Uh, it's like, nope, I'm right here. I'll point the way, but that's your life and I'll help you. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. No one can do that. Only you can choose. Only you can choose happiness. And that's your choice. That's agency to act. Um, but along with that, we've got to have a goal of where we want to head. Where's my lighthouse? Where am I headed in life? You know, And, and then but we've got a, a North Star, if you will, that then becomes... You know, here's the lighthouse is where I want to go. You know, I've got some goals out in the future of, and and who I would like to become. But the North Star then is how I do it. That's how I go along that. It's who I'm becoming in the process as well. And saying it's based on, I'm taking risks based on becoming the person I want to become, becoming the person God wants me to become. And Versus like you mentioned, you know, the, the risks that are just reckless and I'm out there living dangerously because it's based on principle. And it's it's like this idea, the other piece that comes to my mind, Viktor Frankl, World War II concentration camp survivor, wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. Haven't read that? Get that book. And you met it. him. I did meet him. Yeah. The year, the same year he died, 1997. And uh, one of my heroes, but he says, hey, you in America, you have the Statue of Liberty, on the East Coast, you need a statue of responsibility on the West Coast because you can't have one without the other mm. uh, or, or one will go amok, right? You've got to have both. And I think that's the idea. But it's scary because, but it's only in me taking risks or a person taking risks that God can then show up for us. Because if we don't take risks and, you know, sure, a ship is safe in a harbor, it's not what a ship's meant for. It's meant to sell. Mm. And that's what keeps our hearts alive, I think, you know, in that second stage of recovery is you got to sell, man. Every day, you've got to do one thing that scares you some way. Make that phone call. And sorry, for those of us who um, have spent most of our life trying to earn it, sell to sell a ship, not sell, yes, S-E-L-L, right? (laughs) That's right. 
It's selling a ship. A ship, is, yeah, it's sure it's safe in the harbor, but that's not what it's meant for. It's meant to go out and sell. Right. right. Which I think is, and I bring that up because it's like you, you, I mean, I've tried to sell myself or sell myself in a way that people would accept me for a long time. Yeah. And that's not, because I think that's the parallel process of risk, right? So second book, Doug, there you go. There the it difference is. between sell and sell. So, um, cause there's a first book and we'll talk about that. You know, so for me, I'm, you know, as you're talking, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting myself in, um, you know, into my early recovery and I'm like, what, what are some steps I could take, Doug, to move toward this, um, stage two. Yeah. This stage two, th- this next level, what, what are some just practical steps that I could take to start moving me toward that? Toward that. There are so many. We could spend a bazillion hours. Top three, maybe. Top three. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, here is a simple one that just uh, I, I find that a lot of people can kind of enjoy. And, you know, one is, number one, we've got to slow the RPMs down. Okay. You, you know, the, the mindfulness kinds of things. We've got to slow our mind down and do nothing and breathe and and just slow down. And I mean, so I kind of hate doing nothing because I don't know if I like being with myself doing nothing. Exactly. Well, that would take us on a different path of being able to be okay with you, mm-hmm. right? And being able to be at peace with that as opposed to constantly di- distracting myself away from, you know, I may not like it, but I need to experience it. Yeah. I may not like what's going on, but I do need to experience that. And, and so this idea of being able to just, just kind of slow down. And if it's just breathing, if you want to be able to just go in and do some uh, four, four, eight breathing first, there's three steps with this. But the first step is just to calm the mind down. We are often running in that limbic system, that amygdala, that fight or flight or freeze mode constantly. We're in this hypervigilance mode. And just to be able to even take a few slow deep breaths can do wonders. You take three slow deep breaths right now, right? Envision a plunger on your gut. You breathe deep into the belly. The chest barely moves. Don't have your chest move as much as you can and let that belly just go out and get a deep, full breath. That tells the brain, hey, slow down. We're okay. We're not being chased by wolves. We're okay in this moment. So what's the four, four, eight? Oh yeah, thanks. Okay, so breathe into the count of four. Hold it to the count of four. Breathe out slowly with love and compassion at the count of eight. So that's just to slow it down. Just breathe in nice and easy or do 10 minutes of uh, mindfulness or whatever that is. It's just slow the mind down. After you've slowed the mind down, then just sit and listen. Just kind of listen to see what, what, uh, what comes up for you in relation to what's going on in your life right now. And just listen. And then third step, what action can I take on this? What can I do with that? Now, I know that's kind of, it's kind of, how do I move towards that identity? Well, slow the mind down. Listen. What comes up for you? What is that truth? Can God speak to me in that moment where I'm listening? And then from there is, how do I, how do I operationalize that? How do I actually move towards that? That's one idea that is really powerful. You can do that in five minutes. You can do that in 15 minutes. It's powerful, though, because ultimately it's saying, I'm going to trust that there is a solution that I can connect with who I really am. I'm going to trust that, that something's going to come up for me and trust that heart 
that it'll speak to me. Trust that God will speak to me. So one, slow the mind down, breathe, slow down, meditation, mindfulness, whatever the case is. Number two, listen. Just sit and listen. See what comes up. Tune in. You can tune into your body too. What's going on in the body? I'm feeling some tension here. Just be with that. Be mindful of it and then see what comes up. Third, what do I do with this now? What's the honorable action I can take based on this? Another idea that can be helpful um, is if I were to ask you, how would you describe your life right now? Give me the three words to describe your life right now. And you think about what are those words? Oh, man, out of control, worried, anxious, uh, self-doubt. There might be some happiness. Who knows? But write three words that would describe your life right now. Now go ask if you have a wife, how would she describe you in three words? Ask some friends. How would you describe me in three words? Um, We get a little bit of a, a fifth point of the compass, a baseline. And from there, then I would say, answer me this question. What regret do you refuse to live with 90 days from now? It hasn't happened yet. But 90 days from now, if you don't do something about this, you will be living with this regret. What regret do you refuse to live with? Now, I'm, I'm leading somewhere with this. And so you kind of ponder on that a little bit. What regret? Where am I having regrets in my life right now? And I don't mean this in a shame-based way. This is in a, in a growth-based, a growth mindset. Who am I becoming? And you sit there and go, what regret? Number two, if people at your funeral were describing you in three words, and particularly related to a particular area of your life. Now, that's not going to happen. They're not going to talk about you particular area of your life at your funeral. But what words would you yearn to hear them describe you as? You kind of listen to that for a moment. Or somebody you admire incredibly. How would you love to describe you, them to describe you in three words? Then the next question is, is how would you like to describe yourself uh, in three words? What are those three words when it comes to this identity? And ultimately then, you can go on a hunt to, to choose those words. Brainstorm, 20 words. Put them on paper. See which ones pick you. See which ones you pick. Those three words now become your next 90 days. This is to help you tell yourself, this is who I want to become. And this is where God is going to take me. And and Lord, help me go this direction. And then every morning, you connect with that. Put this on a three by five card. Remind yourself throughout the day. In the morning, connect with those three words. And you can do it in a minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever the case. Connect with those three words. Give a definition to the words. One of the words I've used in the past was courage. That's where it came from, you know, to live with whole heart. And I would remind myself as part of that in the morning, that's where I want to go and connect with these three words and let my mind, my heart, my soul, I pledge, that's where I'm going. That's who I want to become today. And by day's end, I want to have some stories that will demonstrate these three words in my life, that I can prove to myself that I made some progress on these three words. Give those words a color, breathe it in, fill it throughout your entire body, whatever it is to get your mind, body, and soul awake and saying, that's where I'm headed. So no matter what I face today, God's grace will be sufficient to get me through. And that's who I want to become. Because more important than what's happened, what hasn't happened, it's who am I becoming? That's the key question in second stage recovery. Uh, in getting the life. And then at the end of the day, you sit down and you can ask yourself, however you'd like to do it, are you glad you lived the life you did today? And if the answer is, eh, or if the answer is, yeah, I, I am, I, I felt alive today. Had some challenges, but I, I powered through that. And uh, it turned to God. I didn't do it myself. And 
you know, or you can even say, now give me an example of at least one or two or three of these words that you applied this in your life. Show me. And that's the idea, James. I hope that kind of gives a couple ideas of how, how can I really do something about this identity of who I want to become? Because your purpose in this sense, it's not so much discovering your purpose, although that can be part of it. It's you choose your purpose. Love that. Yeah. So how much do we owe you for this session? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. I mean, it gives, right, some really practical ideas, just something that's implementable right now. Yeah. Right. Something all of us could do today. But the problem I, I know is that so many people will listen to this and they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then they'll just move on to the next podcast mm-hmm. or whatever. They just move about their about their day. So oh, I want I, I want to I want to challenge anybody that's listening to this right now. Rewind this back a few thirty second slots so you can get to the beginning of it, and then go and do exactly what Doug just said. Get the three words. Go go do that. Put that on the three by five card. Like go through that process because it's just like when we're praying and we want to connect with God and we pray and then we just go about our day and we don't take any time to listen to God. Yeah. yeah. We're missing exactly. him. Exactly. Right. We're missing yeah. his yeah. message to us. Yes. And, and, so and I'll give that. the double on the layer on that. When you get those words, email them to Chris. And one person I invite you to get those words from, he's going to be pissed from today. So I invite you to reach out to CT, the, literally the letters CT at unashamedandafraid.com. Mm. He will call you, but you don't know he has the superpower. So have a 15-minute conversation with CT and say, CT, three words, now that you've met me in 15 minutes to describe me. Get three words from CT. Get your three words from your people. Email them to Chris. There you go. Man. Chris at unashamedandafraid.com. I want you to know, I just, I texted Kayla while sitting here and was like, three words to describe me, ready, go. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, and so, so I'm in. right, so we've got two really practical things. Slow down, Yeah. right, is kind of your first one, right? Yeah. And then you multiple ideas around what that looks like to slow down and listen what comes up from your soul your heart what what's it saying to you get in the habit of listening to that and then acting on it right and the way that we can act on that is just what you described there you go yeah yeah that's great absolutely one piece before we move beyond that again um this now becomes you connect with it in the morning throughout the day and at the day's end evaluation it doesn't have to take you long it is short it's quick and it's basically saying, is your heart alive? Um, but then this becomes the focus of your conversation with friends. Th- your three words. The movies you're going to select are going to be based on these three words. Conversations at the dinner table, these three words. Podcasts, books, articles. But Chris, you bring up a good point, and I'm guilty of this. I devour a lot of information, but often don't apply it. And so I think that's a great idea. Ask yourself, how can Don't I apply this to my life? Don't call us out on that, Doug. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't call out my audiobook life. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm guilty as charged. Yeah. No, so, I mean, it's, I guess, if something is going to hold me back, or right, or why wouldn't I implement this, Doug? What, what would hold me, What in general, in your experience, yeah. what's going to have somebody just listen to that and go, oh, that sounds nice, and see ya, you know, look, next peace podcast, out. peace. I like it. it. What's gonna? What do you? What have you noticed are the major obstacles for somebody that's? Well, maybe it's not relevant as they see it in their life mm-hmm. right now. So maybe it's just not relevant. Like, yeah, I'm good. I've got that. Or they don't see the need, or there's not a pain there. Uh, a, another piece can be ultimately it, it's my thinking, right? Looking at you know every solution 
begins and ends with thinking. So it doesn't matter what the problem is. It's going to begin and end with, you know, my thinking ultimately and through action that leads to action, but it's going to, so, so meaning why wouldn't I apply this? Why not give this a shot? Make it simple. This is not a 30 minute in the morning, 30 minute at night. This is can be a few minutes. Give it a shot. And a few minutes at night, just, you know, even just brushing your teeth and checking, hey, you, what, can I prove that I lived one of these three words or not? Share it with a friend. Hey, would you hold me accountable just for the next week? Next Sunday, shoot me a text. Hey, did you do what you said you're going to do based on the unashamed, front, unafraid, right? The words, did you? Bring an accountability buddy in. Have some fun with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the right, I mean, the answer there is I because then I would have to step into my light, not my darkness. Yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. Set cell. So, um, I met this uh, Methodist pastor when I served my mission in Baltimore. And he's like, I'm into you guys because you like don't support drinking and smoking and all that. And I'm like, totally. He's like, I like that. He's like, you want to know what the secret is? My cashier is like, if people want to quit, they will. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, totally. He's like, you don't get it. And I'm like, no, yeah, I get it. He's like, no, no, you don't. Like, if they want to quit, they will. Mm. And I have a much deeper, I still don't know that I get it, but I have a much deeper understanding of what he meant. And I think that man had some hard fought battles, one that gave him the life experience to really understand and he a, could speak from experience like that yeah. and, and knew it. Um, so uh, I think to end, if I can make a request, Doug, um, you have a story about a guy that you met on a beach with a mask. <laughs> yes. And I just, I th- I've thought about that a couple times in this episode. I don't know if you'd be willing to share that. Here. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's uh, one of my favorite stories that's happened to me, and it it it, it really freaked me out. And and I was in Belize, and I was speaking uh, a few times, spoke to some businesses and and that kind of thing down there. And I'd had such a great time, and wanted the perfect souvenir. And so we're actually out now. There's islands out there in in Belize, and we we'd flown out there and scuba dived and whatnot. And we're coming back, and um, I go back, and we're you know this guy has his table spread out, and he has these carvings and uh, you know, and I went up to this guy and I said, Hey, listen, uh, can you help me out? I want the perfect souvenir. And he stood up, he had flip flops, shorts on dreadlock hair. And he stood out and put his arms straight out and he began to stare at me and it was becoming a little bit awkward. And then he said, my friend, your worries are over. And I went, Oh man, uh, I don't know where this is going, but this is going to be a trip. <laughs> he stood up and he walked around the table. And if you had somebody invade your personal space and you can't get away, I was against his table and he came so close to me. I thought he was going to try to kiss me. I'm going back off, dude. And and he, and he picked up a carving and then he intently pointed at the carving and he said, can you see it, man? And I'm going, yeah. And he said, are his eyes open or are they closed? Now, this is a carving of a mask that he had, it, it, the eyes looked or appeared to be closed, but could go either way. And I said, well, they appear to be 
closed? And he goes, right, man, right. And he began to poke, and I can still see his gnarly finger poking me on the chest. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that says, yaman after every sentence. And, and he poked me on the chest, and he says, you are wiser than you appear. And then he said, are his eyes open? I think I just said that. Are his eyes open or are they closed? And I said, they appeared to be closed. And he said, this is the mask of the sleeping prince. And the only way he can become a king is if he does what? I'm feeling like I'm on a game show. I said, well, what's open his eyes for 500? You know, kind of a thing. He goes, right, man. And he poked me again on the chest. And he said, and this is where it got a little bit freaky. Because then he said at this point, and you, my friend, you, my friend, you are the sleeping prince. And it is time for you to wake up. I fear, he said, I fear that you forget that you are one of God's beautiful creations on this earth. And you are here to do some things that only you can do. And if you don't do them, this world will be worse off because of your selfishness. And I'm sitting there. I went back to the, I wrote down what this guy told me because he freaked me out. He then grabbed my hand. He wasn't done. And he held it up to my chest. And I'm not used to strangers doing this kind of thing to me, right? Going, <laughs> right? And he held it there and he says, do you feel that? Yes, I feel that. He said, that is your heart. That is your heart and it beats today. It beats today for a reason and you must find out why. Because it is in the why that your purpose will be had today. Then he stepped back and he said, hell will be meeting the person that you could have become and the contribution that you could have made today. And then he stepped back and he very plainly said, now do you want it or not? And I went, what just happened? I, I was confused. I was dazed. I'm like, what? And, and he brought up some really good points, though. I think that talk about stage two recovery, uh, uh, you know, two, two key points. I fear that you forget who you are. And when you forget who you are, you become who you aren't. We become the poser. We lose the larger story. We step into our smaller story where God's really not part of it. And our soul and our heart is empty. Two, he's talking about this idea, you know what? Your heart, it does beat today for a reason. And it's not always going to beat. You never know. Tragedy, whatever can come your way. Today is the day. Just for today, you have something to contribute and you have something to become. And I think it's perfect for our, our podcast today. It freaked me out. I often forget it. Try to get back to that and remember that, that your heart beats today. And who are you becoming? Who Hell will be meeting who you could have become, right? Truly. And what you could have done to contribute. Or do I go through life afraid all about me as opposed to saying, I want to feel alive and I want to live what I call a, a, a little, I would say a, a phrase I've coined. And it's called courageous. C-O-R-E hyphen rageous. You live from your core, the image that God created you to be and the purpose he put you on this earth, and you do it freaking outrageously. Core-rageous. And, and I think that's what he was talking about. You get one life, you better live this puppy. Bring God into it. Breathe in, breathe out, and step into faith. Breathe in, breathe out, step into faith. Do that again and again. Stage two recovery, being fully alive. You get one life, live this puppy. And if you don't know, now you know. Doug, you're the man. Huge blessing. Thank you. I have been richly blessed by this episode. 
hope I, everyone else has I, too. But absolutely. I love being here with you guys. Just to be I'm, with, I'm with you all. I'm a little speechless right now, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's texting us. So good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sway, no, six I, months of therapy. Right. These are the feedbacks you're getting. Yeah. I, I can see William in the background. He's just like taking notes like crazy. Yeah. yeah we got I think his out. thumb started smoking. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks You're for having man. me on. I, um, I love you If someone you wanted to, uh, I don't know, read a book that you might have published, tell us about that. Yeah. If they're into reading, it's on Audible or it's you can get a hard copy if you're, you know, whatever the case. It's called Take Life by the Helm. It's, it really has how to live a deliberate and adventurous life. In other words, it's very much like we're talking about here. How do you really, life can just beat the crap out of us sometimes. And it and it gets down. And, and, and it's really, you know, yeah, addiction, it's part of the, it's part of life very often, right? But that's not who we are. And we've got to remind ourselves that there's a God in heaven who knows you, who loves you and wants to walk in this with you and to see what is my purpose? You know, who am I really? What's my identity? And I think we get out of addiction quicker with those two than any other path we can take. Amen. And name of the book again? Take Life by the Helm. And if I want to find you for you, coaching, speaking, therapy, all kinds of good any stuff. Any and all the above, how do I find yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, the easiest route would be go uh, to Doug at DougSpeaks.com or you can go to my website at DougSpeaks.com and uh, would love to interact with people. So. Yep. So that's where you can find Doug. If you'd like to hear more from Doug and the bonus content, um, and if the three words that describe you are bold, accepted, and unashamed, you might be an outsider, and we'll see Woo! you there. If you are not, we invite you to donate. We are a 501c3, a nonprofit, and all of your donations go to funding scholarships for those working recovery, trying to get to that stage too. So we invite you to become an outsider if you're not already. If you are, we will see you there. Give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds us. Send us an email. Entire team's emails are there on the website, unashamedunafraid.com or follow us on social at unashamedunafraid. And until we see you next time, remain unashamed. <laughs>